Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Without further ado, I'm going to have Pastor Gary and his wife, Sheila. We've known you guys for like nine, ten years now. And they have been a great blessing to Camille and I. They've spoken into our life, and uh, we just love them dearly. And we're going to just let you take the floor, brother. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you again. Um, it's, uh, it's been an interesting couple of years. Have you noticed that? And uh, we've, we've experienced a lot in the last two years. And, um, you know, God has been faithful. In September 2019, I had a heart attack. And, um, you know, God was faithful. Uh, I was in uh, Taiwan and had a heart attack in Taiwan. And the guy that I just finished ministering to, he left the room. He was an emergency room doctor and his wife was a nurse. And so I thought it was heartburn and, you know, and, and it wasn't. It was more than that. And he came back in the room. He evaluated me and said, you're having an angina attack. And what's that? He said, you're having a heart attack. We need to go. And he got me to the best hospital in the, in the country within five minutes. And um, they confirmed that I was having a heart attack. I was still in a heart attack. My wife had gone home. And uh, so God, in his grace, got me through that. Praise God. And uh, they, they found three arteries were blocked. And uh, so one of them, they put a stent in. And then this May, uh, actually this April, we were in Taiwan again. And I started having some of the same symptoms, and then they ended up doing another operation on my heart. And so now I have three stents in my heart. I'm feeling good. And I tell the Taiwanese I have a little part of Taiwan in my heart all the time. So uh, God has been faithful. You know, in this season of COVID, we, um, we lost our ability to earn a living. You know, we travel for a living. And so uh, March of 2020, we lost our ability and... and um, you know, God was just so faithful in providing for us and watching over us. He continues to do that. Um, I started traveling full-time September 2014. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of been a progression of travel. And in those, uh, you know, five, six years, I, I probably went to 30 countries. Well, I have. I've gone to 30 countries and uh, done many uh, countries multiple times, like Singapore, we've been 22 times in that, in that uh, six-year period, so a lot of traveling back and forth. And um, in this past year, so 2020, all of 2020, I, I went to 23 new nations through, the, uh, through Zoom. I know we don't like Zoom, but you know when I'm talking about Zoom. And even to this day, still, I go through to nations through Zoom. I do a lot of prophetic meetings during the week in, in, through Zoom. Uh, last week, I was in China. Uh, the week before, I was in Indonesia. And then I was in California doing a whole bunch of Chinese churches. And, and uh, this week, I'm in China again. And so God is not limited by our circumstances. Can I hear an amen? I want to talk to you this morning about the kingdom of God and knowing that we are not uh, part of this world. We're just sojourners, the Bible says. We're part of the kingdom of God. Amen? Um, it's such, it is a privilege to be with you guys. We love you guys, and, and thank you for having us. My wife is here. Every time I've come, my wife has not been with me. So, honey, why don't you stand up? This is my wife. Uh, Bill Winston said this. He said, um, 
The secret in any generation is to find what God is doing and do it together with him. Is there, I think there's notes, brother. If you could put that on, that'd be great. The secret in any generation is to find what God is doing and do it with him together. So what is God doing in the, in the city of Trenton? What, what is God doing in your employment? What is God doing in your life? What is God doing in your relationships? The secret is find what God is doing and say, God, can I get involved in that? And I'm telling you, your life will take on a great, great adventure in God. Amen? Well, let's look at the scripture. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. It should be up there. It says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, John the Baptist was the forerunner. He was the one who was preparing the way for the Lord, as the scripture says in Isaiah. He came preparing the way, and he, uh, he basically stood against Herod because Herod was an adulterer, and he was uh, messing around in the wrong place, and John called him out on it as a prophet would do. He called him out, and, and so he was put in prison. And John was about to be beheaded. In this time, just shortly before that, John baptized Jesus. And then Jesus, the Bible says, was driven into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. He was tempted by the devil and he fasted and prayed for 40 nights. And so now we're coming back. The context is John is thrown into jail and Jesus has come. He's now starting his ministry. So in essence, one era was ending and another one was beginning. John called people to repent for the remission of sins. Jesus is saying, I'm calling you into a new kingdom, a new way of thinking. And so Jesus began to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Um, you know, the, the reality is he mentioned this thing. He said, a specific time has been fulfilled. A specific time. Would you say time? That word is the word kairos. We have some friends in Singapore. They named their, ch- their son Kairos. And it, it, it means this, a specific time, a decisive opportunity. So what Jesus was saying was it was a very strategic time for the kingdom of God in this moment. And it was a season of opportunity. What Jesus was saying is, hey guys, there's a new opportunity for you and I. There's a new way of thinking. There's a new way of living. There's a new way uh, that's coming into this into the situation, and every one of us needs to embrace the kingdom. Would you say embrace the kingdom? Now, let me give you just some context. The Bible says that he came into the region of Galilee. And so one of the historians, his name was Josephus, he said this, that the Galilee was not a backward, you know, backwater little group of uh, towns. It actually was an area that encompassed 60 by 30 miles. And so I don't know what that is, uh, maybe 180 square miles, something like that. If I do my math right. And it had 204 villages. Now, what he said was interesting. Not every village had at least 15,000 people in each village. So when you do the math, we're talking about 3 million people. 3 million people. And so it wasn't just a small little backwater water towns that Jesus was going to. He was going to regions where there were millions of people. 
And so I want, I want us to have that context. So sometimes, you know, I've been to Israel a couple of times, and you can get overwhelmed by the, it seems so small, but yet it was very large at that time. And so um, in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, it says this, that Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. I want you to know Jesus had a purpose. And Jesus' purpose on the earth was, um, you know, the Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Amen? And the purpose of Jesus to come to the earth was not just to get us saved, although that's a big purpose, but it was to establish his kingdom, to bring the kingdom of God into the kingdoms of earth. And folks, there has never been a time when the kingdom of God has not been in existence. The Bible says it's an everlasting kingdom. It's always been around. And so now Jesus is establishing it into the earth. And so when, when, uh, when we come and we understand the whole definition of kingdom, we're talking about two words, king and domain. I want to read you this scripture. It's not in your notes. Just keep that up there if you would. Colossians 1.13, it says, For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. When you and I got saved, we were in darkness. We were in this you know, pit of darkness. We were blind. We couldn't see. We, our, the Bible says our spirit was dead. And then we invite Jesus to come into our heart, right? Our spirit comes alive, and the Bible says we get transferred into a new kingdom. You're not of that kingdom anymore. You might be in the kingdom in the sense that we're living in the kingdom of darkness, but we are not of the kingdom of darkness. We are now of the kingdom of God and of the kingdom of light. And so we need to think differently. We need to act differently. We need to believe differently. We need to walk differently. Can I hear an amen to that? And so even as you're listening on, uh, online, we need to understand that we have moved from one place into another. And Jesus says, I'm coming to establish my kingdom in your life. I'm coming to establish. So when we think of kingdom, we've got to think in this sense. Power. Would you say power? power. Purpose. Purpose. Provision. Provision. And presence. You see, all of those are involved in the kingdom. Power, purpose, provision, and presence. And when you're living in the kingdom, all of that should be in your life. Power, purpose, provision. Come on, presence. Now just evaluate your life for a second. Where is there no power? Where is there no provision? Where is there no purpose? Where is there no presence? Come on, we need to invoke the kingdom of God into our heart into our life. I was in uh, Cambodia a number of years ago, and they call it actually the kingdom of Cambodia. That's, that's what it is. If you look at all their documents, it's the kingdom of Cambodia. And so we were walking through this market. It's called the Russian market. And uh, I was walking through, and I just looking at everything. I had no real intentions to buy anything. And this lady tapped me on the shoulder, and I looked around, and her face was really deformed. It looked like it had burns on it. And she smiled at me. And so I smiled at her and, you know, just trying to be nice. I didn't really want to buy anything. And, and so I said, okay, you know, nice to see you. And we kept walking. Well, well, a few minutes later, we're walking, and I hear, Pastor! I'm thinking, who knows that I'm a pastor here, you know? And so it was this lady, and she had a booth. And so we sat down with her, and through interpretation, I said, tell me your story. And she said, um, I used to walk around the market, and I used to try to sell my trinkets. And she said, I, I, never, I never did really well. 
And she said, my husband would beat me. And she said, we were very unhappy. And she said, um, he threw acid on my face. And he's a miserable, you know, man. She said, I'm still with him, but he's, he, he's still miserable. And, um, you know, so we kind of got talking. And then she said this. And she said, but pastor, I got saved. And she said, when I came into church and I got saved, she said, God began to work in my heart. And she said, now I have a booth. She says, normally this costs $500. She said, but because of my face, they give it to me for $400. And she said, now I'm being blessed. God is helping me. I'm, I'm being able. So by that time, I'm like pulling out every dollar I have. And I'm ready. I'm, she's wanting to give me all kinds of her stuff. And I'm like, no, oh, no, I want to pay. She goes, no, 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 I want you to have it. And so I gave her, I literally gave her every bit of money I had. And, I, and, and as I walked away, I had this thought. I thought, wow, you know, in, in my context, that's, she's not, I'm not, I would never prosper in that context. Like, it, it, like, if I brought her over here, like, she's not even, she's below poverty in that sense, right? But in her context, she was prospering. And I had this thought. You know, the prosperity gospel doesn't work, but the gospel always prospers. The gospel always prospers. Wherever you are, God wants to prosper you in the kingdom. Come on, can I hear an amen? So when we talk about kingdom, we talk about two words, king and domain. It's on the screen. And so it, the king is a ruler, a person of authority and might. How many know we have one king? His name is Jesus. Amen. And, but for a king to rule, he has to have a domain. He has to have dominion over something. And the domain is where the king rules. So the gospel of the kingdom is an announcement that the government of God has come to the earth. Would you say government of God has come to the earth? And so the, when Jesus came, he was saying, hey, my government is coming into the earth. My government is here. My rulership is here. The gospel of the kingdom is not a salvation, not just a salvation message that gets us to heaven one day. It's a message that God is releasing his rule, his authority into the earth through his son and upon all those who repent and believe. We'll get to that in a minute. Jesus Christ is going to be and is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Right? We used to sing that, uh, was it Handel's Messiah? King of kings and Lord of lords, and he shall reign. Right? Every Christmas, you know, we, we sang it. That was our um, valedictorian song when I graduated from Bible college. 400 students, we sang it. It was amazing. And he is our king. Come on, can I hear an amen? When he is our king, what we're saying is, Lord, you, you can have complete rulership over my life. You own it all. When we say, Lord, we're saying everything belongs to you. Like, not just, not just the things that I want to give you. Everything. Come on, say everything. Everything belongs to him. And so our pursuit of his kingdom must be the main priority and experience of our life. We must put a priority upon what God puts a priority on. We must do that. So... Think about this. In everything that we walk through, we must consider the kingdom of God. So let me give you some thoughts. What job or career will I accept or do? Where will I go? Where will I stay? 
What relationships will I develop? Is every relationship a kingdom relationship? I've noticed in my life in the last number of years that God ordains certain relationships. God actually brings certain people into my life, and I know in a moment that they are a kingdom relationship. I've had kingdom relationships where literally I've met somebody, and that person becomes literally a door for me to walk into a nation. I couldn't get into that nation without that person. But when God establishes that connection, all of a sudden that whole nation opens up to me. Because somehow that guy's a kingdom connection. I had a desire to go to one, one nation. I met a guy. We had a wonderful conversation. We sat on a plane ride. And he said, Gary, I want to bring you to my nation. I said, great, great, no problem. So we just kept talking and talking. And then I was in another nation. And I, this, I just met this guy, this pastor. Wasn't supposed to meet him. He wasn't supposed to be in the same hotel as I was. But somehow we got connected. He had heard about me. I hadn't even heard about him. He said, we got talking, and he said, wait a minute. He said, a friend of mine just sent me a prophecy of a guy who goes into rooms and prophesies over people. And he said, I was listening to this prophecy thinking, this is amazing. And he goes, you're the guy. I said, I'm the guy. And he goes, can you switch your schedule and come to my, come to my nation? And I, I, I just had a, I had a week off. I was going home. And I asked my wife, she said, go. And I, so I went to that nation. And from that, na- from that contact, that man has opened up uh, that whole nation to me. He's opened up Malaysia. He's opened up China to me. He's opened up other nations in, in, in North America to me. One guy. So what about the relationships that you're developing? Are they kingdom relationships? How will I spend my money? How will I spend my time? How will I give? Will I give... Uh, sparingly, or will I give liberally? How will I, this is a tough one. How about my attitudes, right? My attitudes toward God, to believers, towards my spouse, towards the world. What about the frustrations in my heart? I said in the first service a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were driving, and and, uh, let's just say I I was having some frustrations with the people in front of me. And, uh, and so I was getting a little irritated. And, you know, honestly, in the last number of years, wherever we go, we have people usually driving us everywhere. We don't drive a lot. And when we're home, it's, I'm behind the wheel. Most times, wherever we go, people are picking us up and driving us somewhere. And so she said to me, you know, honey, I just want to talk to you a little bit. You're getting too irritated and you're driving. You're driving me crazy. And I think, you know, you know they're not that bad. I suggest they are bad drivers. And so what did I do? I went before the Lord the next day, and I just began to pray, Lord, is this an area I need to work on? You know, Holy Spirit, you know, God, Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, and then Sheila. That's usually how it works, right? And Sheila was speaking into me, and I, 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 wanted, I wanted to make sure, Lord, is this a, an area in my heart? And, and as I, I, I honestly asked my wife, I'm really trying to work on that. And just let the kingdom of God work in my heart. We're called to a surrendered life, folks. See, a surrendered life is a life to be conformed to his image and to be transformed in our conduct and our actions. Faithfulness and obedience to his rule and lordship should leave a mark upon every area of our life. It should leave a mark upon everywhere everywhere in our life. So let me give you a few things. Number one, we're encouraged to pray. 
Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Come on. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so prayer really has no boundaries and it can make a difference in people's lives all over the world. So I pray this. I pray this for probably 35 years now. I go through the Lord's Prayer every morning. It's a prayer guide for me. And so every day I come to this point where I say, Lord, let your kingdom come. And I begin to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come in my life. Let your rule and your domain come into my heart right now, Lord. Is there anything? Lord, Sheila pointed this out. Lord, so let's deal with that. Holy Spirit, is there anything else? Lord, let your kingdom come in Sheila's life. Let your kingdom come in my son's life, my daughter-in-law's life, my grandson's life, the lady who lives with us, Heidi. Let your kingdom come in our house. Lord, let your kingdom come in our leadership, in, in, our, in our ministry, in, in our churches, the churches that we're ministering to. Lord, let your kingdom come. Lord, in our city, in our province in our nation, in the nations of the world. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Lord, we pray for revival. Let your kingdom come. Lord, we pray, open up the nations. So that's a big prayer for me. Lord, open up the nations. Lord, let your kingdom come. Lord, you rule over the nations, not governments, not issues. Lord, rule. God, bring your, your kingdom. Amen? And so we need to pray there. See, prayer is the instrument that pushes out anything that would preoccupy our thoughts and cloud our perspective. Prayer is the instrument that removes anxiety, distraction, and forces that would try to take control of your life. Prayer is the instrument that brings the peace of God to rule your heart and mind. The word rule there is the word umpire that actually the peace of God becomes the umpire in how you live your life. So when we are in the process of deciding what we're doing and making decisions, we look for peace in our life. We don't make decisions without peace because peace is the rule. The prince of peace is the ruler of our heart. And so, God, we, we, we pray. There's sometimes we praying over things for uh, six months. Lord, what are you doing in this situation? We don't do anything until we feel the peace of God rule our heart. Prayer is the instrument that allows you to shift your perspective from the temporal to the eternal. I want to tell you, listen, in this season, you've had to have an eternal perspective. Because if you have a temporal perspective, your life will be messed up. Your mind will be messed up. You'll get frustrated. You'll get angry. You'll, get, you'll, you'll be yelling at each other. You'll be kicking the dog for no reason. I mean, it's just there. And so you've got to let prayer. Come on, church. We need to pray. Look, I, I'm calling the church to prayer. I, I, I felt like this message, I, I'm preaching in 10 churches in 10 weeks. And so I felt like the Lord said, preach this message in every church. We need to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Come on, in my life, Lord, in my church's life, in my city's life. Come on, in my children's life. How many got children? You need the kingdom of God to come in, in their life. Amen. Listen, uh, D.S. Gordon said this. He said, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is, the world is better. The world will be, pardon me, the more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. 
and mightier the forces against evil. The prayers of God's saints are the key by which God carries on his great work upon the earth. God conditions the very life and prosperity of his cause on the prayers of the saints. Now, I'm going to say something to you because I want to be just real. I've had disappointment in prayer. Anybody been disappointed in prayer? Sometimes I haven't, answer, haven't had answered prayers. Sometimes it's caused me to want to not pray. Sometimes I've been disappointed and, and tired and thought, oh, I don't need to pray today. I'm just being honest. But God is calling us to pray. Church, come on, let's pray. I want to challenge you. Commit this week, every day, to pray. To pray in the Spirit. Come on, to pray in tongues. To pray in the Spirit every day. Take 15 minutes. Start your day. Pray. Give it to the Lord. Watch what God will do. I'm telling you, God will do amazing things. You'll have divine interventions. You'll have divine miracles take place. God will show up in places you never thought possible because you prayed. Amen, Gary. Hallelujah. <laughs> the kingdom of God is within you, the Bible says. Luke 17, verse 20, it says, Now when he had asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they see, say, See here and see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Church, the kingdom of God is within you. It's not just around you. It's in you. The king's rule is in you. Come on, let it come out. Come on, let the kingdom of God. See, the Pharisees were looking for Jesus to overthrow Rome, but Jesus was saying, I want to overthrow the darkness in your heart and establish my rule in your life. God wants to do that. The Bible says we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, since we are receiving the kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. You see, there's this tension between what is happening now and what will be. One day, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. Amen? And He shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever. And we will rule and reign with Him. But we're in this tension right now where darkness is trying to take control and darkness is pushing you and darkness is trying to frustrate you. But God says, let my kingdom rule in you. There's a kingdom that is being shaken. Have you noticed the world is shaken? There's a lot of shaking going on. In fact, listen, even the church is being shaken. That's not a bad thing. Actually, it's a good thing. God, we need to be shaking off some things off our life. We need to have complacency shaken off in our life and things shaken off in our spirit so that we can be people of the kingdom and purpose. The Bible says the kingdom is not in word but in power. In power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. Man, there's so much. I know we've got time and i gotta, I got to uh, get my time uh, in focus. But I want you to hear this. You are to live with power. Can you put that scripture up? It's, it's, um, it's in there. Yeah, look. It's, can you guys see that scripture? Let me read it to you. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all. Would you say all? All, all kinds of sickness. And all, say it again, all. 
all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick people who were afflicted with, all, with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them all. He didn't counsel them. He healed them. Now, I'm all for counsel, but folks, we need to step into power. We need to believe God that God wants to empower us. Come on, God wants to empower you. Come on, say, I, I, God wants to empower me. God wants you to move in power. Every situation Jesus spoke into, there was power flowing out of him. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4 says, Where the word of the king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? You see, when God puts a word in your spirit, there's power that comes with that word. When I was laying in the hospital bed, uh, I, was, uh, had, like, I had all kinds of stuff on me. I had, I had uh, tubes all over me and, and uh, monitors on me. And my chest is just, I feel like, you know, my heart's coming out of my chest. And, and I'm kind of in the bed and I'm weep, you know, kind of whimpering and I'm praying and whimpering and praying and just saying, God, I got to have courage. Like, what are you doing here? Uh, like, what's going on here? And, and um, you know, I just began to pray and I began to, I felt like the Lord dropped this scripture in my heart. And then I remembered, or actually he brought it to my remembrance, a phrase that a prophet prophesied to me four years prior, four or five years prior. Out of this prophecy, I heard this one phrase. And the phrase was, Gary, you're going to do this for a very long time. That was the phrase. The next morning, so I kind of put the peace of God in my heart. I went to bed that night and, and um, got up in the morning. felt like I was having another heart attack, just to be honest with you. I'm pushing the button, and the little uh, Chinese lady walks in, and she goes, Mr. Hayes, it's okay. We give you more, whatever that was, uh, nitroglycerin. We just put more nitroglycerin. You'll be okay. I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. She goes, oh, your signs are good, but we'll give you some more. Pop, 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 and just popped it in, right? And so I'm laying there. And then one of the pastor's wife comes in. She goes, Pastor, this morning the Lord spoke to me. I was supposed to, I wanted to invite a guy to come in. Would you like to meet this guy? And I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. And you want, you want me to counsel this guy? And so this guy comes in. And through interpretation, he says, Pastor, he said, two years ago you prophesied over my life. He said, it was so significant. It changed the course of my life. And he said, last year I had a heart attack and I was in this room right where you are. And he looked at me and he said this. He said, Pastor, you're going to get out of this room. And he said, because there's more for you to do, and you're to do this for a very long time. Now listen. Where the word of the king is, there is power. And I didn't feel powerful, but in that moment, the word of the king brought power into my life. I threw off those things. No, I didn't. I just laid there. But I got through it, you know, and got it. My, I, I feel healthy. I feel strong. And we're going to do this for a very, very long time. Listen, say power. power. The kingdom of God is within you, and there is power in you. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, what? Lives in you. Come on. It lives in you. There's a last day warning. I want to give you this last day warning. 2 Timothy 3, it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Would you say perilous? Yes. 
Perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. There's a whole lot of un there. Slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. Paul is describing the human condition in the last days. 22 immoralities are mentioned in that passage. And the word perilous, it means this in the Greek. It means hard to do, hard to take, hard to approach, and hard to bear. We're going to come to these times where they're hard to take. They're hard to bear. Sometimes you feel like, like even this last couple of years, it's like, this is a little hard to bear. Lord, what are you doing? Why is this? Why is the whole world shutting down? Like, maybe you haven't thought that, but I thought that. Hard to bear. A guy named Barkley, he was a commentator. He said this, the essence of Christianity is not the enthronement, but the obliteration of self. Folks, watch it. Look, when you put the love of self before everything else, all of those things take place in your life. When you put the love of self before the love of God, you may have a form, but you got no power. And God wants us to live in power. Patrick Morley said this, the par- a partially surrendered life may be Christian in spirit, but it's secular in practice. It may save one's soul, but it hardly leaves a ripple on one's lifestyle, life view, world, or, or in the world or culture in which we live. Jesus said if we're going to enter the kingdom, if we're going to live in the kingdom, we have to do two things. Number one, say repent. We have to repent. I looked it up just as I was sitting there because there's a number of different Greek words for repentance. One is the actual remission of sins, calling you to repent of your sins. That's not what this word is. This word actually means, it means a return. It means to change your thinking. It's a way of thinking, to change your way, change one's mind or purpose. So repentance is a total change of thinking which results in a total change of activity, a complete shift in our mindset. So in other words, repentance is you're thinking and walking a certain way, but when you repent, what you're doing is saying, I'm going to walk and I'm going to live this way. I'm, going to not, I'm not going to think that way anymore. I'm not going to have that worldview. I'm not going to think the way the world thinks anymore. I'm not going to think the way I used to think anymore. I'm going to think as Jesus would think. How does Jesus think? How does Jesus want me to live my life? And I'm actually going to be different. I'm not going to be the same. Sometimes we've been in our, in our pursuit of being relatable to the world. We've actually become more like the world instead of holding a standard that gives the world something to look to and say, I want to be like that. Number two is that you have to believe. Could you say believe? Believe. The kingdom of Jesus preached was not about social change in society or not only about social change in society or a new way of being moral. It was about trusting and relying and having a firm conviction that God was able to do what he said he would do. Amen? Paul said it this way, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto the day. I was in a nation recently, um, uh, in 2020, my wife and I were in a nation, and uh, we got, um, how do I say this? We encountered the police. 
in this particular nation. And, um, you know, they came in and, and um, you know, they, they uh, began to question us, interrogate us. And uh, it was a little nerving, to be honest. Uh, my wife was a little nervous. I was a little nervous. And um, I, I, I was, you know, kind of trying to figure out, like, okay, what do we do here? And, and the guy looked at me and he said, what's your religion? And the young guy who was with us, he goes, like, what's that to you? It's not your business. And the guy looked at me and said, what is your religion? Now, at that moment, I had a choice to say, I don't really have a religion. I'm a nice guy. But I said, well, we believe in God. And he goes, no, 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 what's your religion? I said, well, we're Christians. We're from the West and we're Christians. And he goes, no religious activity. And I said, well, we're not religious. We don't do religious activity. And he said, no religion. And I no religion. And I said, no, we're not religious. We don't do religious activities. And he goes, okay, welcome to my country. <laughs> and there were some things that he did in that meeting that was very unique and different. But, you know, as a young man in Bible college, I had gone through these, um, like, simulation things that we would do. We called them prayer bands where we would pray for different nations. One time I was in the prayer band for Russia. And at the time, the Iron Curtain was still up. And, and so we would pray in secret. And we'd begin to pray for the nation of uh, Russia. And, the, and we would pray for the Russian people. And then simultaneously, our leaders, would they would stage events. And so they had a couple guys come in in uniforms. And they drag somebody out. And they sound like they're beating them and scare the living daylights out of us. But it was all this idea, what would you do when you were faced with a situation for your faith? And I remember as a young man thinking, I, I'm going to serve God. I, I, would, I would do that. But, I, you know, I live in Canada. You know, my, my faith really doesn't get challenged that much in Canada, right? And so I realized, you know, my wife was a little nervous. I was a little nervous. But I went to the bathroom after that, and I stood in the washroom, and I was like, it's like, bring it on! You know, because I'm doing stuff now that is very secretive and very kind of low-key and and it's okay. God's protecting us. God is caring for us. I want to finish with this story. About 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales. As a result of this, many missionaries came to northeast India to spread the gospel to the region known as the Assam region. It was comprised of hundreds of tribes who were primitive and aggressive headhunters. In these hostile and aggressive communities came a group of missionaries from the American Baptist Missions, spreading the message of love, peace, and hope in Jesus Christ. Naturally, they were not welcomed. One missionary succeeded in converting a man, his wife, and two boys. This man's faith proved contagious, and many villagers began to accept Christ and Christianity. Angry, the village chief summoned all the villagers, and then he called the family who had first converted to renounce their faith in public or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Angry, the village chief, uh, he was enraged at the refusal of the man. The chief ordered his archers to arrow down the two children. As both boys lay twitching on the floor, the chief asked, Will you deny your faith? You have lost both your children. You will lose your wife too. But the man replied, Though none, then no one, then no one joins me, still I will follow. The chief was beside himself with fury and ordered his wife to be arrowed down. In a moment, she joined her two, her two children in death. 
Now we ask for the last time, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. In the face of death, the man said the final memorable lines, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. He was shot dead like the rest of his family. But with their deaths, a miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killings was moved by the faith of the man. He wondered, why should this man, his wife and two children, die for a man who lived in a faraway land in another continent some 2,000 years ago? There must be some remarkable power behind the man's faith. And I want to taste that faith as well. In a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared, I too belong to Jesus Christ. When the crowd heard it from the mouth of their leader, the whole village accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. A few months later, a missionary penned these, took these words and he wrote the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Church, would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? We're part of a kingdom. There's no turning back. God wants all of you. He wants all of your heart. He wants all of your life. He wants all of you surrendered. If you're here today and you've been invited with a friend, maybe you've been coming for a while and you don't know Jesus and you'd say, hey, I need Jesus in my life. I want him to be Lord of my life. I want to give him lordship of my life. If that's you, just put up your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. We had a couple people in the first service and we always have people, even online, if you're watching and you say, I need Jesus as my Lord, he will, he'll do that for you. Anybody here today? Don't be afraid to put up your hand. Well, that's all right. Listen, uh, what I, what I want to challenge you with, church, is maybe this morning you've kind of, if you just take a moment, just close your eyes and just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, is there any areas that I need to change to repent in? Is there any areas in my life where I'm not surrendered to you today? Lord, I want your kingdom to come in every area of my life. I don't, I don't want to just be, you know, a half half in the kingdom. I want to be all in the kingdom. I want to be full of your power, full of your grace, full of your strength. I want you, Jesus, to have rulership of all. I know this is a process. This is not a one-time thing. This is a daily surrender. How many would say with me, just nobody's looking around. I, I, I got an area to repent in. I, I, need, I need some areas. Just put up your hand right now, and we'll just pray into that. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Lord, we just pray for those areas of repentance right now. We just surrender them to you, Lord. And the Holy Spirit, we just pray for your conviction and your grace to help us to surrender. To surrender. Lord, to surrender. I just thank you, Father, for every person here. Church, this morning, I want to pray because I want to I believe that God wants to rule and reign in us. And he wants to release his power in our life. And so today, if you're here and you're sick in body, there's an area of sickness in your, in your life that you're dealing with right now, I want you to stand to your feet. If, if there's some emotional struggles or maybe even some addictions or mental health, I want you to stand to your feet. God wants to touch you this morning. If there's something in your life where you'd say, hey, I need God to come. I need his kingdom to come in my life. Today, God wants to touch you. God wants to strengthen you. In the first service, I called out, um, what was the word again? Di diverticulitis. Diverticulitis. I, I don't know what that is. I just had that. 
I know it's something to do with your body. So if you're struggling with diverticulitis, uh, it's got to be something with your colon and stuff. God wants to touch you this morning. God wants to heal you. You know, I was in a meeting in Ohio, and we called out a bunch of words of knowledge, and there was a young man standing to my left, and uh, I was supposed to minister to him prophetically. I was supposed to minister to him prophetically, and uh, I didn't get a chance to. And in that moment, I, I felt like the Lord say, somebody has a kidney issue. And so in that moment, he put his hand up. And so we began to pray for all the people. We prayed, God, a creative miracle, creative kidney miracle. At that exact moment, his phone went off in his, in his pocket. And after the service, he went out and he got the message. And there was, he was on a waiting list for a kidney. And in that moment, the doctor said, you need to come to the hospital tonight because we think we found a kidney for you. And so that night he went to the hospital and uh, they actually transplanted the kidney into him, but the kidney didn't take. And then he got another kidney uh, maybe about three months later. And we were in Ohio just recently and who should pick us up to drive us was this man. And he said, hey, I'm doing well. My body's good. My health is strong. I'm still working through it, but God is faithful. Listen, church, God wants to release his power in your heart today. So why don't you just put up your hands right now? We're going to pray. We're going to finish, and then we'll minister to some people this morning. Father, we pray for every person standing here. And Lord, even those online that are believing God for healing, a touch of God. Father, today we release your power. Lord, by the word of God, we release your power to bring healing and wholeness to hearts and bodies and minds. Father, that the peace of God, the Prince of Peace would come right now and rule and reign in every heart, every body. Lord, we command, uh, uh, Lord, uh, against sickness. We, we speak wholeness and healing in people's bodies right now. Lord, you said you heal all our diseases. And so, God, we stand upon your word this morning that you are a healer. You're the strength of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.